there, safety enthusiasts. This is Tim Ludwig from safetydoc.com. Good to have you here. Welcome to the Insights into Your Safety Culture podcast, which is simulcast as a blog on safetydoc.com. Join us at safety-doc.com for 30 years of research, stories, videos, books, and blogs, all to get your safety culture fix. Now let's get to it. Hey folks, Tim Ludwig here. In this podcast, I want to ask a central question. Does your safety culture have enough rebar? See, your safety management systems act like the structure of a building aimed at reducing risk. And, And you know, even the best designed systems can fail. They need more rebar. Ask yourself, what in your safety processes can you build upon? It's those things that you need to reinforce with rebar. So let me explain what I mean by that. My mom and dad took a mission trip to Thailand after the tsunami in 2004 that took 230,000 lives in 14 countries. Just imagine that. And it affected so many millions of others. My mom was a school teacher at the time, and my dad is a pastor and professor. They'd been all over the globe, uh, providing spiritual counseling to families, congregations, communities. I'm, I'm very proud of them. In this case, they were going to work with the grief and the rebuilding that was associated with this unthinkable event, the tsunami. When they came back, they spoke of a lot of stuff in this faraway land. You know, but what struck me was a picture that they took in one of the villages they visited. It was of small houses built of concrete block uh, and among a poor population. These were very modest dwellings, but they seemed solid enough to shelter the families inside. Outside the houses, children were playing. What caught my attention were the tops of the houses. These, these tops of these concrete block houses had metal rebar sticking out toward the sky. You know, as somebody who studies safety, my immediate concern was the hazard this rebar would pose to the children if they, if they were up on the roofs of these houses. So I pointed this out to my dad. He explained you know, that these people dreamed of a better life with more prosperity in the future. So they built their houses with the rebar sticking out. In the future, when life is better, they could use this rebar to build on their existing house. You know, this is a phenomenon that's happened all over the world. I've been to South America, Africa, even parts of Europe, Eastern Europe, where modest houses are built with rebar sticking out of the top. If you've ever worked in construction or have been around construction, you're familiar with rebar. You know, it's often shaped, connected, and installed before the cement is poured into the foundations. And in the case of larger structure like skyscrapers, rebar is throughout the entire structure. I remember being in Dubai and getting to go up the tallest building in the world, at least it was at the time. It was built in 2004, somewhere between 2004 and 2009, and it had over 330,000 metric tons of concrete. But this concrete was reinforced by 39,000 tons of steel rebar. Laid end to end, this would extend over a quarter of a way around the world. This tower is one of the tallest buildings in the world at 2,716 feet, over 160 stories, and is twice as tall as the Empire State Building. The reason why rebar is placed in these immense buildings is to reinforce the structure. With this added reinforcement, the foundations and structure can be made stronger and can be built onto. I've been told by engineers that the term rebar is really short for reinforcing bar. So, 
as you build your safety culture, we should ask, what needs rebar in your safety processes? Consider your safety processes. Certainly your safety management systems, such as your procedures, rules, reporting systems, inspections, hazard identification, safety training, and the like. All these act like the foundation and structure of a building, all aimed at reducing hazards and their associated risks. In my travels to many different companies, I've seen these systems succeed and I've seen them fail, sometimes having to be rebuilt altogether. Even the best designed systems, at least seemingly the best designed systems, can fail. They needed more rebar. Rebar is the reinforcement that needs to be a part of every program. Rebar is there so you can build up upon and strengthen. Therefore, to build something upon requires rebar. Ask yourself, what behaviors in our safety process can we build upon that we must reinforce? Well, what is the difference between a successful safety management system and those that are less effective or outright fail to protect the worker? In my experience, having seen these many examples, it comes down to one thing, behavior. Safety management systems are trying to manage risks resulting from behavior of the folks in the workforce, the risks they take while doing their tasks. Our safety management systems are there to help the worker choose the safe alternative. So these safety management systems are there to attempt to manage the behavior of the workforce. But the paradox is that these very systems need the workforce to participate in the systems through their behavior to work. Certainly, rules and procedures seek to direct the behaviors that take place in the face of hazards. But you know, rules never push the shovel or install a casing. Your workers' behaviors do that. Other safety management systems, such as close call reporting, inspections, hazard identification, job safety audits, JSAs, safety meetings, committee membership, peer observation and feedback, all of these require workers to participate in some way. Participation requires behavior. Without these behaviors, these safety systems cannot succeed. So to be successful, your safety management systems have to reinforce not only the safe behaviors of workers while doing the task, they also have to reinforce participation in your safety processes. But be careful what you reinforce. There was a building project in Las Vegas called the City Center. It cost about $8.5 billion. That's billion with a B. Its signature structure was called the Harmon Tower. The Harmon Tower was planned to be 49 stories, but construction was halted when they got to the 28th floor. County building inspectors found that the rebar was installed by a subcontractor in the wrong places. Another rebar was deficient or missing altogether. The building could not be built up further and the owners had to decide whether to complete it as a smaller structure with significant rework or just to tear it down. They ended up tearing it completely down in 2015 as a total loss. You know, ironically, one of the owners was Dubai World. Recall that Dubai has the biggest building in the world that I mentioned earlier in this podcast. 
In the Harmon Tower, they didn't find any rebar deficiencies until the construction was built beyond the fifth floor. And <laughs> that's when all the problems started. You know, this speaks to the reality of building our safety management systems. You know, when they're first stood up, often there may be sufficient compliance to the requests we make in our safety management systems and the behavior of our employees. They, they report uh, the kind of things they're supposed to report, fill out the forms they're supposed to fill out. But, you know, after the initial fanfare and attention, compliance to these requests fades. This is because our safety management systems have failed to reinforce the requested behaviors. So, as we saw with the Harmon Towers deficient rebar, the rebar in our initial safety management systems were initially installed with the same deficient quality, maybe displaced when they were where they're not supposed to be or absent altogether. We didn't design the rebar into our safety management systems, or perhaps we put the rebar in the wrong place. Do some of your safety management systems suffer from pencil whipping? In my article of pencil whipping in the professional safety, I define pencil whipping as a euphemism used to describe when workers, supervisors, and safety managers fill out safety forms such as inspections, JSAs, behavior-based safety observation cards, and the like, without actually conducting the observation or audit. This is a case where rebar has been installed in the wrong place. The wrong behaviors are being reinforced. The behavior of filling out the form got the rebar, not the actual inspection or observation. So what'd you get? A bunch of pencil whip forms. You can do the form without actually conducting the behavior you designed in your safety management systems. Most likely, all the rebar went to behaviors related to production to get the job done. However, when you build your safety management systems with rebar in the right places, you reinforce the right behaviors to identify hazards and risk while creating dynamic solutions that reduce injury. And on a regular basis, you can build your safety processes as high as the towers of Dubai. Hey, this is Tim breaking into this podcast to tell you about my book, Dysfunctional Practices That Kill Your Safety Culture. A manager finds himself on top of a stepladder a woman removes a guard to her machine. A worker is not wearing her safety glasses in the plant. A rustabout uses a wrong size clamp instead of retrieving the right tool. A supervisor teaches a new worker to take a shortcut. A mechanic climbs on top of the active machine to find the oil leak. Why do these folks do these things? Is it because they're stupid? We'll find out. Read or listen to the first chapter on safetydoc.com. Dysfunctional practices available now on Amazon and Lulu.com. And now, back to our podcast. So what is it that you need to reinforce? What do you need to strengthen and to build, really build, your safety processes? The answer is you need to reinforce behavior. Take a moment now to make a list of behaviors you need to build in quantity and quality in your safety management systems. And, and these are not the behaviors of filling out forms. Consider not only behaviors that are the safe alternatives to risk-taking, but also the safety process participation behaviors that we've been talking about. And don't forget the behaviors of your management and leadership. These are the behaviors that need to be reinforced to be built up. In behavioral science, 
A reinforcer is anything that increases a behavior's occurrence or the quality of that behavior. So how convenient is that? We know a lot about reinforcing behavior. So let me give you a short course in how to reinforce 101. See, reinforcing behavior can be really simple, done by anybody. It just requires an awareness of behavior and a little effort. I've written about this in detail in Chapter 7 of my book, Dysfunctional Practices. Let me take you through the six steps to install the rebar. Step 1. Go out and observe behavior. Just watch. Don't be creepy about it. Just observe. Observe the behaviors on the task, but also observe your employees interacting with your safety management systems. Then, write the behaviors that you need built upon in full sentences. Start with an action verb, then put a subject, then say when and why. Kind of like do what, to what, when, and why. Step two, make sure people know what these behaviors are. Tell your workers the specific behaviors that you want to discriminate and make sure they have the capacity and time to engage in these behaviors. Step three, give your workers an opportunity to demonstrate the behavior in front of you. Let them practice in front of you in a safe environment. Give them feedback, shape them up until they can do the behavior fluently, the same way every time with high quality. Step four, watch and wait. It's kind of like watching the cement dry around rebar. Watch in, in the background until you see one of the behaviors that you just shaped up occurring on its own out on the floor. Then number five, when you see this, go to that worker and praise their action. Say, you did this. It helped you stay, stay safe while you were doing that because, and you tell them why. Or you did this, it helped the team build that, and then you tell them why. Put that rebar in. Let them know how you're, they are strengthening your safety processes. Let them know how they're strengthening their safety culture. And most importantly, let them know how they're strengthening their own practice of safe behaviors. Then finally, step six. Repeat all these steps abundantly and get others to do the same. Okay, so I guess now you're ready for my sophomore level class, How to Reinforce 201. I was down in Alabama, was visiting a very successful behavioral safety program, and I was there to understand why it was so strong and document it for some of the work we do with the Cambridge Center for Behavioral Studies accreditation program. Now, the manager of this distribution facility in Alabama, I'll just call him Mason, told me a remarkable story. Mason benchmarked another facility in his company that had already led the way in safety excellence. <laughs> in fact, to be honest, he didn't really believe that that other facility's behavioral safety program could have such a big impact. Frankly, he thought they were cooking the numbers. So what he did was he snuck in and he arrived at the site two days early, unannounced, and started talking to employees to really get the real dirt behind it. And what he found out was not a facade of numbers to hide a hollow process. Instead, he found a culture of behaviors that not only supported the safety process, but also led to active safety coaching among workers. 
You know, what Mason took back to his own facility was not the mechanics of the behavioral safety process. You know, he eventually got around to that a little bit later. What he took back to his facility was how much everyone reinforced each other's behavior on a constant basis. He had witnessed the rebar all over their process and wanted to build his program the same way. So let me tell you what he did. It's pretty elegant. It's really simple, and, and you can do it too. Back home, Mason gathered his supervisors in a meeting. And in this meeting, he asked them each to praise five workers a day for a specific action that promoted safety. He said, go out and observe. When you see a worker do something safe, approach that worker, point out what they're doing, and say thank you. Then he told his supervisors that at the end of each week, he, he himself was going to walk around and interview 20 to 30 employees around the plant. And in these chats, he would ask the employee, did a supervisor come up and say anything positive to you about safety? Hopefully, they would say yes, and then he would write the names down of the supervisors they cited. If the supervisor's name was mentioned during these walkabouts, then Mason, in the next week's meeting, would praise the supervisors that were named. And of course, the absence of praise for the other supervisors would be obvious as well. Now, according to Mason, and as you would imagine, the supervisors were hesitant at first. However... In their weekly meetings, they started remarking that how, how easy and pleasant it was to go up to workers and praise them. It turned out that offering praise was reinforcing for the supervisors in and of itself. Rebar! It didn't take long for the supervisors to be reinforced and just make it part of their routine. Mason told me that because the supervisors were at 100% after just one month, he didn't have to enforce the five-a-days any longer. But the supervisor performance wasn't the most miraculous outcome. Listen to this. Mason kept up the interviews with employees even after he stopped enforcing the five-a-days. He told me it's because he loved talking to the employees. He found these interviews personally engaging and uplifting for himself. And what he found out was in the second month after the supervisors started delivering praise, the employees started telling them that they themselves started praising their fellow employees for safe behavior. The reinforcement had been gone had gone beyond the supervisors, and now the employees were doing it more than the management. And their injury rate went way down. If you look on the blog version of this podcast that's on safetydoc.com, you'll see a graph that shows Advantage Logistics SuperValue, their Southeast Regional Facility, their SURF facility, shows their injury rate across 10 years. Mason and his team started laying the rebar in 2005 and, and fully implemented their behavioral safety program in 2006. Quick look at the graph showed an injury rate around 12, an OSHA frequency rate, dropping in 2005 to lower than 6, and in 2006 and beyond, below 2, ultimately getting below 1. You can see their full report, as well as other exemplary safety programs accredited by the Cambridge Center for Behavioral Studies at behavior.org. And let me add a footnote to this podcast. Do you know how much the praise program that Mason instituted at his surf facility down there in Alabama? 
it didn't cost a penny. So get out the rebar and start building a stronger safety culture today. We'll see you next time. This podcast is a production of safetydoc.com and is copyrighted by Timothy Ludwig, Ph.D., all rights reserved. For those small doses of inspiration, visit safetydoc.com. If you would like Dr. Ludwig to speak at your corporate or society safety function, simply use the contact link on safetydoc.com. Thanks for listening.